also uh, right now partnered with the Franklin County Juvenile Detention Center. Uh, I get to go in there once a week and talk to them um, and speak to them about mental health as well. Um, so that's just a little bit about the areas that I work in. Um, yeah. My name is T. Elder. Um, I, my passion, well, let me start my purpose. My purpose is working with children, so I work for Columbus City Schools. My passion is working in the community. Um, I am the chair for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, I have centered my work in the community around whole wellness. So I have a degree in Christian ministry, personal training in exercise science, as well as psychology and my master's in education so that I can be able to attack all areas of whole wellness. Um, I work with tons of nonprofit organizations, um, ton of, tons of community partnerships, um, whether it's working with homeless people, um, being an advocate for suicide prevention, or um, working with you know youth ministries and things like that. So that's me, just real simple. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chantrell. Um, I am a nurse. I work for OSU right now, but I have a background in mental health and substance abuse. I work at Mary Haven um, in Ohio Guidestone. So a lot of alcoholism, a lot of um, our epidemic right now in Columbus is heroin. Um, fentanyl, um, Percocet, stuff like that. So, um, helping with that. That's what I do. <laughs> Hi, I'm Aisha. I actually am an accountant and certified life coach. So, I work with people to help empower, um, identify goals, transformation, and how we think and how we be. Um, and I no longer live in Columbus, but I, I um, reside right now in Delaware. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking. I was listening. My name is Sinequa. I'm the president founder of 331 Puma. We're a nonprofit organization in Columbus. Um, I'm an activist for type 1 diabetics, chronic and invisible illnesses, and mental health. Um, we do different events, um, programs, and things like that around Columbus. All my board members battle chronic and invisible illnesses. I battle PTSD, anxiety, and I have been a diabetic for over 30 years. All right. Um, so before we get into this, I just want to give some insight of how I feel and what we're going to be discussing and what this means to me. So a lot of when I talk about mental health, it will be through self-awareness. I am teaching people it starts with you. And as much as you want to help someone else that you deem, you know, has an illness, you have your own traumas you're dealing with. So we can't talk about mental health and mental health if we're not working on our own. So the first is self-evaluation, knowing who you are, being secure with yourself and not worrying about what people think or what they have to say about you. Instantly, once you worry about people, what you have to say is not about you anymore. You have multiple opinions in your head when you're making decisions. So when you have a clear mind and you teach yourself discipline, then you can think how you want it, then you can move accordingly. So the first thing we're going to get into um, is something that's important in our, gen our, our generation as, as well as others. We had a discussion and we were trying to figure out how do we bridge the gap, the generational gap, because we all speak different languages from my grandmother to my mom to me to my daughter. You know, my son, we speak different languages. So um, how do y'all feel like we can we can break that gap? How, how do you how would you talk to someone out of your generation about mental health? If you're noticing they have something going on, how do you break the ice? Um, well, I'll speak on what I know, just trying to speak to the younger generation. Um, 
first is just finding uh, you if you if you identify or see that they're having an issue or struggling, you want to just kind of befriend them, um, find some common ground. Um, you don't want to just directly go for that. You just want to find something you both can relate to. Um, spend some time doing that. Um, and then usually you have to open up first. Absolutely. You, know, you have to let them know that Absolutely. you're vulnerable. And you trust them. them to be yeah, exactly. Now they're in a comfortable space. And they're feeling safe. They know they're not going to be judged because you're going through some stuff as well. Um, and then you kind of, you know, ask them how they're feeling about this or that. Um, or if you get a feel, you know, you'll know them better if you need a more direct approach. But then you open up that door for conversation and you kind of get them to open up and conversations first from there. Um, and it's just a dialogue piece at that point and you kind of help them through it as you can or advise them as you can. Um, listen to them. Um, make sure that you listen. Make sure that you know that, that they know that they're heard. Don't make them feel like they just opened up and then there's no outlet. Yeah. Don't leave them hanging. Don't bring them to that point where they open up and then you just cut them off and you're just going to make them that much colder and that much harder to reach next time. So make sure that they know that they're heard. Give them a resource. Give them an outlet. Help them and then also be consistent. Consistency is also key. Um, I had a, a kid tell me that um, he's been with our program for two years. Um, every every so two, three months, he has a new person in his house, you know, asking for signatures, asking for grandma to sign this, asking him to go to that. And he's been with me now for almost a year, and he said that has been huge for him because now he knows he can trust me, he can work with me because I've been there every time someone's in his house now with me, so he knows me and he trusts me. Okay. And we don't have to do order, just as y'all want to interject. So basically, how do you break the ice? You see someone's having mental health issues. How do you break the ice when they? you just feel like they aren't acknowledging what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like your mother, your grandmother, your child. So my grandmother raised me. She's 81. And so... Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, I have no problem. You know, I'd be loud. My grandmother raised me, she's 81. And um, so for us, for well, for her generation, I'll start there, she's like, we didn't have all this mental health. We didn't have that in our generation. So this is this is a new a new thing for them that's coming, like all this mental health and mental health awareness. And she's like, okay, what is this about? But how I bridge the gap, I just, like he said, you have to have that conversation. You have to have that middle ground. And I'm a direct person. So if she's doing something for example, and, I, and I'm getting kind of concerned, I'll just ask her, like, well, grandma, you know, this is that, and she's like, well, what does that mean? So now now that I've opened up those doors and we can have those honest conversations about what mental health is, what are the stigmas, stigmas breaking the stigmas, now that we've had those conversations, now she's comfortable to come to me and say, well, what does this mean? I, I, I don't feel like this on this day. Like, what am I allowed to be sad? Yes, you are allowed to feel how you feel. It's okay to not be okay. She recently lost her brother in April, and she's literally grieving him because they were so close. And she's like, but I have to be strong. No, you don't have to be strong. And this is why you are not required to be strong. And that's a big thing in the black community. And so that's how we bridge that generational gap. Like Cody said, just having the conversation and educating and then through education, we were able to, you know, come and have that understanding. Yeah, education is big. I would say from my professional standpoint, meeting new patients and because uh, you get these people and they're, oh, I'm sorry, and they're scared. They, because working in substance abuse in general, you know, you have an issue and they have a story. And I think that we 
as a society look at people who are on drugs, they're alcoholics, we look at them differently. We don't want to talk to them. We don't want to understand what they're going through. We're just in a mind that, well, I wouldn't do that, so I don't understand right, how right. you're doing that. Yeah. How are you letting your kids do this or whatever? And so um, professionally, it's about making them feel comfortable because I professionally I can't tell a client that I'm having a bad day I just can't like mm -hmm. that's you can't so um I can't identify with you but I can give you a listening ear I can um not necessarily give you advice because that's not professional either but I can um give you those tools as a nurse pretty much um the medication a lot of people take medication they say they don't feel like it's working um, you just have to educate that's a big thing education um, showing them different diagrams showing them um, just proof that what they're doing is working giving them encouragement because at Mary Haven we have inpatient so they're in this on this unit all day every day they can't go outside they call their fa it's like almost like jail they call their families they get 10 minute phone calls so um, just encouraging them, letting them know, you know, you're, you just got off the phone with your child. You're doing this for them so that you can go be with them. Some people are court ordered. They don't want to go to jail, but it's just uh, helping people get to the point of wanting to heal. Some people don't want to. I've encountered people who say, um, yeah, I just died last week. I overdosed, but when I leave here, I'm going back. To, I'm, not, I'm not ready. So you have to wonder not wonder but figure out if someone's ready to heal themselves Agreed. yeah um as a life coach we're not allowed like we don't deal with people that have diagnosed mental illness so we are looking forward we don't necessarily deal we don't deal at all um with people that have certain mental illnesses because we're not doctors but what i can say is that you have to be able to know the symptoms so that you know when you're working with somebody if, if what they're addressing is a mental illness or if it's just simply something that they're stuck in and they just need help moving forward they need some tools to move forward so as a life coach it's a very thin line and we have to have them sign a contract that if you are um mental um, dealing with mental illness that you continue to see your doctor or, or you know your therapist so for me it's very different once you've been diagnosed with a mental illness then I have to make sure that you're you're being treated so that we can actually move you forward so that's kind of the difference between like a life coach and a therapist uh, we really focus on getting some goals and moving forward we really don't deal with what's behind us but uh, we were talking about bridging the gap and one of the things is compassion and empathy mm -hmm. and also learning the language and the values of each generation right so that when when you say something to somebody that's older it doesn't come off as disrespectful respect and that you understand where they're coming from so that you are able to help them or help coach them into a different place so um, with my organization what we do is I'm, I've been open about my health since I was 11 years old so I'm used to being open um, if I'm having a bad so we have a support group on Facebook we have a support group on Instagram so if I'm feeling like I'm having a bad day and I'm triggered I go live and I talk about it um, most of our events, like our event that we just had in July, was a chronic illness versus mental health. Um, a lot of people don't understand that when you get a diagnosis of a chronic illness, that is like a, a bridge to mental health. Yeah, absolutely. Um, me as a type 1 diabetic since 11, I went through depression, 
I went through being suicidal at a very, very young age. Um, probably when I shouldn't have known what that was in the first place, but I went through it. Um, when you are diagnosed with a chronic illness, a lot of the doctors don't really look at that factor of it. Their factor is to get you medication, get you on a medication that works and send you on your way. Mm -hmm. um, being a diabetic at 11, I got told a lot, I got told that I wasn't gonna live past 15. I wasn't gonna live past 16. They told my mom to take me casket shopping and my mom took me casket shopping at 16. So I dealt with a lot at the age of 11. Um, so what I try to do is just be open. Anybody can message me, ask me a question about what I'm going through. Um, we educate in our support group. And then at our events, we make it fun to let everybody know that just because you have a chronic illness or you deal with mental health, anything with that, you can still live and enjoy your life. So we make it fun. So we, hopefully it makes people comfortable enough to want to talk about mental health, to want to come out to different events and learn about mental health and to have fun while we're doing it. I agree. Yeah, go ahead. So just to analyze everything, so um, it sounds like there's different stages for mental health for mm -hmm. different from children to adults. Absolutely. Absolutely. What um, can we do um, as far as when you saying you have a mental health, but what can we do to overcome those words? Because sometimes you're saying it can also prevent it and make it more Yeah, absolutely. And y'all can kind of interject as y'all want to. Um, for me, I think it would. Yeah. Okay. Um, to me, it would come through, like we were saying, relatability and honesty. Um, you can't fix anything if you're not honest about it. So first we have to, um, this is actually something I think we have to first identify what the issue is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then you have to come up with a plan. From that point, you do your research. And then that has to be the same process with everything. So something that, um, and again, this is something we're all going to talk about. Uh, That's why I like doing in my panels is personal experiences. So the ones of us who have dealt with depression or know people close to us who have, we're going to kind of tell those stories and explain how that went. You know what I mean? So for me, I dealt with depression. My oldest son passed away like when he was younger. So I dealt with that. And I was like a freshman in college playing basketball. Like I had a lot going on. And it made me look at depression differently because I was still enjoying my life and having fun. But when I was alone, it hit me like it really would mess me up. So the only thing that's different in my life now from then is how I live my life. It's how I eat, is what I do, what I watch, who I talk to. So that was a big part of it that was never taught to me. I know all about depression, but I don't know how to overcome depression because I haven't talked to people who dealt with it. So it's first relating to people who are actually dealt with it. And a lot of them are people that's close to you, even whether you know it or not. Just because they're smiling all the time doesn't mean they're not going through something at home. So first, we have to open our minds to believe I'm not the only one going through this because a lot of us get into that mindset with a lot of different things in our lives. The next that your neighbor may be going through what you're going through. But once we had a conversation and we can be open and honest about it, because if I tell you I got a mental health illness, but I'm not explaining it fully, I'm not helping you at all. Right. Whether yeah, it's embarrassing to me or not. Absolutely. 
Right. I'm not helping you at all. So the first thing that I'm telling people, um, Jim Carrey actually said this and it was important. He was like, depression sucks. It's horrible. But if you're not eating right and taking care of yourself, you're not giving yourself a fighting chance. Yeah. So we can walk around and say we have all these diseases, but what are you doing to fix yourself? So that's so to me, that's that's my style and it's different from theirs. But I'm going to try to make you uncomfortable. So now we had this conversation, the elephants in the room. OK, cool. So what are we about to do about it? Right. You know, you keep telling me you hate your job. So what are you going to do about it? Right. You're going to keep telling me you hate it. Or are you going to fix it? So now it's on you. I'm holding you accountable now. You know what I mean? Not to say these are your issues going your own. But I'm not with you all day. You're with your mind every moment of the day, your whole life. So at that point, you need to be working on yourself as well before we run and ask help. What did you do for yourself today? You know what I mean? It's easy to get a handout, but what did you do for yourself? Uh, hold on one second. Any of y'all want to interject? Um, I just want to say that we have to make sure that we understand the difference between sadness and depression. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. There's a, there's a huge difference. Absolutely. Like depression exactly. is like the next step up. And I will tell you that there has been in my life moments of depression because of something that you know I dealt with in grief, but I was able to get up and keep moving. Right. Some people who deal with depression they can't get up cannot. and keep moving. Mm-hmm. And it becomes, um, it becomes like a handicap to them. And they don't even understand. They just think, I don't feel like dealing right. with life. Mm-hmm. And because as, as a community and a society, it's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. We don't really even understand what the signs are of depression. We don't understand what that means. And then we, because we don't understand it, then we shame it. Mm-hmm. Or we're so strong that we are going through something and we don't ask to get help and say, hey, you know what? I'm feeling down. I just really need somebody to come by and just, you know, be there with me. I don't need you to fix me. I just need somebody there. And if we don't have that kind of support between each other, then it comes from I'm grieving, I'm sad, and then it goes into depression. So there are stages that we need to be able to identify and be able to identify in others so that we can reach out and help other people that may have gone through something similar or gone through something that, you know, or they're going through something. And I think, you know, just because we say, you know, I'm depressed, I'm depressed, sometimes we can speak things into existence, right? And you may not necessarily be depressed, but there's things that are going on that you don't know how to deal with. So we have to learn to see, and that's part of my responsibility as a coach is yes, you're in this state, but there is a way out of this state, right? And let's help you navigate through that. Let's talk about what you're feeling and then let's move you forward. And it's not um, not acknowledging what's happened. No, we are acknowledging I'm in pain. I hurt. This doesn't feel good, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. This doesn't have to take you out. So I think a lot of people don't see the light. Right. And, and that's as, as supporters of people with mental health, it's our responsibility as a community. It's our responsibility as brothers and sisters that when you see something, you don't ignore it. Mm -hmm. And even when people, when you're in a depressed state, you don't want to be encouraged, right? You don't want nobody (laughs) saying it's going to be better because you can't can't see that so you have to have compassion and empathy as well and say you know what oh i know yeah and today it feels like that Mm -hmm. but tomorrow we can we can recreate the narrative right Mm -hmm. we can recreate a picture for you to go forward or how do you see yourself healed you know, that's another thing. Some of us, we, we, we identify with people because of our pain. We need to learn to start identifying people because of our healing, right? Absolutely. So that's where you were, but now this is where you can be. So we got to see ourselves differently. We got to see ourselves sometimes out of the ruts that we're in. And it takes love and support. And I said this earlier, no man is an island. We were created to be interdependent. We were created to, to depend on other people. So... That's my two cents. <laughs> yeah, you gotta uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
think for me, um, even with my diabetes, I was always able to get over whatever I went through because I was abused as a child as well on top of the diabetes. So I was just able to get through stuff, like never really heal over anything, just kind of get past yeah, it. I ain't dwelling on it either, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the point where I was at my lowest, um, in 2017, I had a mild heart attack, which was, to me, it wasn't no big thing because I was still, in my mind, I was still cool. I'm extremely independent, so I was still cool. Um, Ten months later, I had a massive heart attack. I died, was revived, was in a coma for eight days. When I woke up, I was confused. I was on, um, I had the, what do you call it, the life support tube in my, my mouth. So I pulled that out myself. So I had to learn how to rewalk. I had to learn how to be able to drive again. So I got home and I had to have people take care of me, which I'm not used to. So it was driving me nuts. But I know me so well, when I started having like the, the depressed symptoms I guess you would call it I'm like something ain't right like something is really not right I'm sitting at home and I don't want to be around nobody and I love my family didn't want to be around nobody my daughter who's here I kept telling her like you gotta go upstairs or something like I did not want to be around anybody so when I realized something was going on I'm like okay this ain't right this ain't me so I'm gonna have to go tell somebody that something's not right my mom on the other hand who's a nurse caught on to it I think the same time I caught on to it and we were like okay something ain't right but bringing myself out of the depression I had to go home like being in the hospital is probably the most depressing thing for me it's the worst and I kept telling the doctors like I'm not going to heal here y'all gonna have to send me home because if I stay here I'm gonna get worse and worse and worse so they finally, I don't think they really wanted to send me home, but when once they sent me home and I was able to be in my own environment, in my own bed, able to be in my own clothes, I started to feel a little better. And then I, for, I was facing, so when I got out the hospital, four people died within four days of heart attacks. So then you start thinking, well, while why am I still here? And they passed away. Then with you dying and coming back, then you're like, okay, why am I still here? What am I supposed to be doing? So that kind of turned into the PTSD. So like he said, getting yourself out of it, I'm very driven. So one day I was sitting there, I think I got tired of crying every day. And I'm like, you know what, God, I'm about to get up out of here because I don't have this to do. I have a seven-year-old. I have kids and they're watching me. They're used to mommy being up, moving around, doing stuff, and they're watching me. When, once I seen my seven-year-old come from home from school and just sit there and look at me like, are you ever going to be able to get up again? That made me get up. It was hard. It ain't easy. But if you find something that motivates you, it'll make it a little bit easier. I didn't do it with no medicine because I take enough medicine. I don't need no more medication. So I told them, please don't give me no other medicine. I don't need that. I already take four shots a day and ten pills. I'm good with that. So just, I started journaling also. So I would write down what I'm thankful for. Thank you, God, for waking me up. And when you pass away and you're brought back, you start looking at things differently. When I, on my way home, I was just looking out the window like, it's just so pretty outside. It was pretty outside before. It's very pretty right now. So, you know, just 
it's all about your perception. Change the way you think about things. Mm -hmm. So I had to do a lot of that, and it makes you think, too. Mm -hmm. You come home like, dang, I really died. I wouldn't have been here. It, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, you got a question? Yeah. We are in elevators, we are in shopping malls, and you don't know, just we're so consumed on this mm -hmm. till we forget that you don't, you, I don't know if you have mental health, I don't know what you're going through, but sometimes just a smile, hey, how are you? Absolutely. Uh, you look good, you don't know what that may mean to a person that is depressed. Right. Because we have to get out of I mm -hmm. and learn to be connected to everything that's around and be aware. Because I, I can't look at no one or somebody at my job is complaining they don't like this job. They don't, I don't know what you're going through. Right. But what I can tell you is, girl, we're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Did you hear and change the conversation? And when you begin to change the conversation, mm -hmm. then you can start watering something good that's inside of that person, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Because we just can't go around diagnosing but but I think too. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Now it does, and I, and I think I think you're absolutely right. We gotta we gotta change how we look at a lot of things in the world, mm -hmm. and I think that that comes from entitlement from some people, mm -hmm. and they think the only way you can help somebody is by directly talking to them. But you don't realize how many people you help by living that example of That's what you true. want them to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. right. And you may never say a word to this person ever, and they see you move a certain way, and they're like, okay. I could do that too. And that's a lot of our interactions, but if you're not helping yourself, you can't help the next yeah, person. Right. No. You know what I mean? You be anybody's motivation. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You never know. School project on me a couple weeks ago and I was like, "Oh, you're <laughs> and it makes you me. feel good." <laughs> and 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 that's the opposite side of that. I think our generation speaking, you know, from my personal experiences, a lot of things we were taught was one-sided. I I got over positivity from these people over negativity from this it was one side with everything and as much as you say that that it's on to that person too to also tell you that right. i've had so many people have conversations about me that they never told they me the positive me things like, they were saying about me like tell me you know what i mean that's a part of it as well when you're doing things out of the kindness of your heart it's okay to tell somebody like yo i was talking about you the other day and i was saying good things about you yeah, like that. <laughs> now you're starting conversation. Mm -hmm. Especially in the black community where it seems like compliments, like it's like a forbidden thing. Like, yeah, it is. I, like, I can't yeah. my sis, like, oh, yeah. yeah. cute girl, because mine is messed up. I'm a It's like you can't do that. Like everybody has to look down on you. So like you said, like when you seeing people out in the mall and you, oh, hey, how you doing? Talk saves lives. Talk yeah. literally saves right. lives. And we teach that through the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. We actually have a workshop where we talk about talking to someone saves lives. I could be on my last leg coming in here today, and you could be like, oh, T, you look cute. Oh, girl, you just saved my that life. That's all I needed. Because that might have been all I needed to give me the fuel to get into tomorrow. So yeah, I think people feel nothing. overlooked. Right. right. But Cost even um, like when I coach people, 
they call and they'll be like, I just needed to talk to somebody mm-hmm. today because I'm having a horrible day right. and talk me off a ledge. Yeah, I talk yeah. people off ledges mm-hmm. all the time. They might not be a suicidal ledge, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, I'm about yeah. to slap this lady at right. my job. Right. Right. One more it's about to change their life, like, for right. sure. But <laughs> need a voice of reason to kind of talk to and say, you know what, I was having a bad day, but okay, thank you, just because I needed some reasonable person in my life in this moment mm-hmm. to keep me from losing my job. And mm-hmm. that's real. I've seen people just walk off jobs because mm-hmm. of their supervisors because they just riding them and riding them and they don't have nobody to bounce stuff right. against or, or abuse somebody mm-hmm. or their kids or they mm-hmm. at home and I, you know, I, I just can't do no more. When I was, when my kids were in middle school and I would come home from work, I would literally sit in my uh, garage for 15 to 20 mm-hmm. minutes and decompress yep. because mm-hmm. if, if I don't, everything that happened and I didn't cuss 15 people out <laughs> on the way home because they didn't cut me off in traffic. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, absolutely. And so I needed to decompress in my garage and my kids knew you don't open that door, you don't, you don't talk to me or anything because I don't want to take all of that energy and into my home, mm-hmm. right? So I would decompress because as soon as you get home, they don't care that you mm-hmm. had a bad day at work. they like, what's for dinner? Mm-hmm. and I got to do homework and you're like oh my god rapid fire like and so mm-hmm. I would decompress and sometimes we need to take those moments in our life to decompress mm-hmm. so that we can recenter recalibrate realign and then go on to the next thing because as a parent you don't really get the luxury of being off right mm-hmm. you got to go to work and then you got to come home and you got to work from five o'clock to ten thirty mm-hmm. to get them kids in bed and get what they need so you have 15 minutes of time where you recenter decompress from all of that and then you can move on but that's very important and very vital especially for new moms coming in like you don't you've not navigated these waters before so you need to make sure that you give yourself self-care is Mm self-love and we in our community have not we don't promote that enough go get you a massage I I will tell you massage (laughs) envy payment so if you got HSA you can go to massage (laughs) envy they'll take the little $60 and go treat yourself You, you you don't get a gold star in heaven for being a martyr and, and not taking care of yourself. There's no gold star for right. you, okay? So take care of yourself so that you can take care of the people that you love and that you can be present and available for their needs, right? If, mm-hmm. if nobody else is present and available for you, you be present and available and take those moments mm-hmm. so that you can be in a better mental state. I agree with her wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah go ahead. I feel like that's also a teachable moment for your children. Right. so I can release but that's also teaching them to take a moment right take a deep breath sometimes I'll tell them like you you don't see much I need you to breathe count and and take a breath real quick but if we not teaching that to our kids absolutely figuring this out right now Mm -hmm. and they could be doing that absolutely right and and, and, yeah go ahead Uh, well I would like to say uh, sister here in the red Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She dealt with, even if you're depressed, even if you're down under, the person within or the God within is the greatest one. So I think identifying that determined person, like right. she got about a bed, yeah. she got about a coma, yeah. regardless, she was under. They put her under, but she overcame that. So what was inside of her, and she keeps saying, you know, because I'm independent, you know, and I said, wow, she's so determined on the inside of her because 
the scripture says, greater is he who is in you than wow. he who is in the world. And it's not even religious. It's right. universal statement like that. And when you take that on with yourself, even if you got a bad day, in your mind, which you can identify with, if you close your eyes or you think, oh, you know, somebody's always talking in your head. You got to mm-hmm. open yourself <laughs> right. on the inside. Mm-hmm. Cultivate the one that's going to help you to overcome the mental illness. Like, most of y'all are probably three generations up than I am. But I do know that we have mental illness in the community. Absolutely. They call it that in yourselves. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. But Take these they pills. send them nowhere right. to get if no that, medication, right. which compounds the condition. They didn't send them to Google. They didn't have it, you know. But they stayed in the home, and they did. They were not harmful because of what they ate. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. they didn't eat GMO food and all that. So <laughs> now, right. in the yeah. studies, the modern scientists are saying that schizophrenia can be can uh, be overcome. Mm-hmm. Just like you know, the man that was here, Ted the voice. Mm-hmm. That's how they diagnosed him, even when he was behind the signs talking to himself. But when he got in a better state financially. Right. So when he was able to eat better, it controlled his schizophrenia. You know, so you know, it's just something to think about with the with the one that's saying, greater is he. Greater just think about this. Greater is he who is in you. Get down on the floor and break your leg and I need I help know, and there's right. nobody else. You gotta yourself comes up and tell you and tell you to crawl, breathe, and do what it to do. Yeah. Cultivate that side of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all I you know, I admire <laughs> you and I respect you so much for that level of determination or you were sitting here telling, telling us all of the stuff that you went through, a coma, almost being dead, or pronounced dead, all of that stuff, and you and look at you. Look how calm she is. Look how calm she is. But that comes, but that comes to show that's that's a testament of how powerful the mind is. Absolutely. And when we talk about these things. There are no there, there are no better or worse. Like we all have our own issues. We all can use mental health stimulants. We all can use conversations in different ways, but all is the same. There are no physical restraints. It's all within the mind. Absolutely. So you could be mentally in prison and not understand, but if you're not trying to fight to get out, you will remain prison. So having these discussions isn't for all somebody to stand up like, oh, they helped me today. It's for you to go home and resonate everything we said and try to re reevaluate your life. Does does this make sense? Does this person make sense to be talking to every day? Should I be talking like this around people? You know what I mean? Because then you'll start to see changes. Then you'll start to see things that are coming about. And I think that's something that our generation can test to the most, that us having these conversations are cool. But if we're not applying them, they mean nothing. And to me, the biggest toxicity I see in mental health with our generation is between man and woman. Like we are a lot more distant than each other than my parents' generation. Definitely my grandparents. Hey, at times I thought they couldn't stand each other, but they were inseparable. Like nothing ever got in between them. So I had that value. And then I knew the next generation to where they were quick to leave each other. And my mind is trying to process both. Like, okay, I can see the pros and cons of both, but what kind of applies to me? You know what I mean? And then as we get older and as you're starting to work on yourself, you can see the world for what it is. And in and, and our culture, like men and women don't get get along like to me. Like, and, and, and I'm not sure where it stems from. That's something I definitely want y'all's insight about. But that is affecting your mental health as well. You know what I mean? You, you got something you want to say? Yeah.
I was coming there. Yeah, I was, I was say coming there. Yeah. Chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They can't. Where that is going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Your perspective. And I was just about to say that. Yeah. Right. And we have women, and they up here are studying that. So. Yeah, for sure, and and that's something we'll talk about as well because they work in you know they work in mental health. This isn't like a hobby for this is day to day. So we, we can we'll talk about the clinical things as well. You know what I mean? Go, go ahead. Especially black right. men. A lot of it is not necessarily us. It's just a lot of generational traits that we've had to deal with, right. personal experiences, things of that nature. So. so one of the things that I do is I challenge people's mindsets and how they think and where that comes from. Because the patterns that are set up from, like, you know, a child up until seven, like, that's the best time to teach children mm-hmm. other languages and stuff like that. And what was happening to us during those times really had an imprint on who we are today, right? So one of the things that I do, even in churches, is I challenge what people think about God and what they think about how they think. Because if, if, if as a man think, if so is he, some of the situations that we're in right now is because of the way we think. And we don't even understand that that is why we're in the situations that we are. It's because of mindsets. So I do this thing. It's called a lack mindset versus a um, wealthy mindset. And wealthy doesn't necessarily mean money in the bank. It's just how you think about things, you know. And our parents would tell us things like money don't grow on trees. And you got to work hard and you got to do this. And then we look out in the world and see people that have the same exact skills that we have making millions of dollars. And we struggling to make 50000 a year. You know what I mean? It's, it's really a mindset. So that whatever you're doing right now, there's somebody out here making millions of dollars doing it. That same gift set. And so that's what we really have to do is challenge where these thoughts come from and reprogram how we think. And that's, that's mental awareness too. So it doesn't have to be connected to an illness. It can just be that we don't, we don't we, the way we think, the way we are programmed to think. And it comes from generations. And so our generation is about three out of out of slavery right and so there was a mindset connected to that because they needed to survive Mm -hmm. and so that's what they passed down so who you are right now that's who you pass down to your kids and it may not be right wrong or indifferent it just is right and so we do need to check our mindsets we knew we do need to check our programming and challenge ourselves to say just because somebody said that to me don't mean i have to accept it as law right Mm -hmm. i can accept whatever i want because our mind is powerful enough to change atmospheres and change our own atmosphere. Whatever situation you're in right now, you thought yourself into it, right? Or you thought yourself out of it. And so we have to remember that that this is not just about mental illness, but mental awareness. Like, where are we at mentally? Right? Where is the fog at mentally? I think she has a question. She keeps raising her hand. Oh, yeah. Because we don't never want to see ourselves as weak or the victim. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until yep, you yep. label yourself as something's wrong, 
and I am this and this is what happened, then you can start getting the resources that you need to come out of it. And we don't never want to label ourselves as weak. Right. But it also starts with our kids, with, um, I just see, I see parents, and I'll say to a little, a, a mother and a son or a mother and child, a black family, your son is so cute, he's so handsome. Oh, you can have him. Da, 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 da. He, right. Yeah. Yeah, stop saying your kids right. are Stop bad. speaking yeah. that. Yeah. Right, over yeah. your kids. Yeah. They're right. right. I Right. Yeah. The moment we say a compliment to somebody about their child, the moment they're breaking them down. Right. Right. Um, and then also with just um, we push our kids into to be get greater. We need to support our kids to be better instead of pushing them to be better. There's a big, huge difference. Right. Absolutely. And pushing and supporting. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I know that everybody had that black mama that made you sit at the table until midnight, yeah. pushing you to be better and talking down on you or whatever have you instead of saying, you know what? Absolutely. And all of our men that have sons that call them crybabies. Right. Because what you're telling them is it's not okay to have feelings and emotions. And emotions, right. And to shut up and, and not talk about it, not to break it down, not to speak about their feelings and what they're going through. Their feelings are valid. Ask them how they're feeling. Don't just say no. I don't I, I don't think this is a good idea, son, but what do you think? What do you think? Well, this is the, these are the things that you can do. And, and talking your child through. We just say go to school. Mm-hmm. Go to school for why? Why do I have to go to, go to school and get your grades? Why? Right. Break that down. Right. get to you and i apologize yeah Yeah, absolutely and that's what connects all of us i know you were talking about people who are actually diagnosed that this is the point of doing this event because if you're not aware of what's even going on with you you can't help them because they are dealing with something more severe than you are yes y'all both have mental issues but theirs is their life Mm -hmm. yours is just seasonal so if you don't know yourself you can't help them you you ever try to save somebody's life and you don't know cpr right Which is pointless. <laughs> hopefully someone comes along who can help. 
So we do these events so we can get right within ourselves. So the people that, that need more help, now you can help. Right. You know what I mean? But I can't speak on anything if I'm not winning my own war. I can't tell you about yours. I know nothing about yours. Um, and I think that's how we have to look at life, period, though. Everything goes in hand in hand. I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, and I have my own perspective. That That is the, the gist of men and women. We're just different. Like how we parent, how we think, how we, how we move, we're different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I, I tell my kids a different message. I don't really value school. I value lessons and life experiences. To me, you taking calculus and learning calculus is no different than a white kid calling you nigga for the first time. Like, you're going to process and evaluate both of those equally. But who am I to tell you which is more important to where your life is about to head? I don't know. So I just tell you, do as many things as you want to do. Whether you want to go to school or you don't, that's cool. But do it. Just to say you did it so you know what it's like. You can't tell me what you don't like if you've never done it. And that's where we, we, we mess each other up. So as much as we try to help each other, it's coming from a place of you don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah, your intentions are well, but you're not helping me because you have to first seek that knowledge. Then you can pass it. But sometimes we look at people's situations like, oh, yours is a little bit worse. So I kind of think I can help you. It doesn't work that way. So we have these discussions. We, we get people's, you know, what they went through in real life so you can evaluate yourself. You can process yourself because what worked for you is not going to work for your kids in a lot of situations. But you have to be humble enough to accept that. And they're going to be better at you in things that you did not think they would be better at you in. So you exactly. So now you are affecting them through what you didn't teach yourself. It has nothing to do with how mean you are to them, the resentment you have for your mother. You are not prepared. So that's on you. So now I push accountability. You know what I mean? Once we get to that point, your life will start changing. Don't look at one thing like, oh, I need a new job. I got to go find it. You need to think about your mindset first. What you even thinking about? Why did you come to this job in the first place? What was you trying to get out of it? And then that changes the job you have. Not filling out applications. This changes that. So everything with this too, everything somebody said is meant to help you think differently. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I had to shout that out real quick. My daughter on the panel. <laughs> um, tell them or have told them it's about the choices that you make. Because guess what? You can make a good choice or you can make a bad choice. I'm here to support you either way. Mm-hmm. However, what choices are you going to make mm-hmm. for you? Let's do that. That was the good, but that's school, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then she changed and she said she wanted to be a nurse. And so when she, every time she deviated from outside, yeah. this yeah. is what she said she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's do it. Because if you're in healthcare, you'll forever have a job. No, Nursing, you will forever learn. And, you know, so she's made it to these points. And now she sits in the seat of a mother. So, and I tell her, what are the lessons that you're going to pass on to mm-hmm. And it still comes back to what are the choices you're going to make. Right. I can give you everything in the world, but it still goes back to what is the choices that you're going to make. Absolutely. The same thing my mother you know, told me. It's about what the choices that you make, whether they're good or whether they're bad. Mm-hmm. I am here to support you. Right. I'm here to speak life into you. Mm-hmm. Um, and even to my grandmother, you know, she spoke life. There's some lessons that I took. There's some things that I added into traffic, but it's still about the choices that you make. Right. Mm, that's honest. Oh, I know you had a question. Statement. Statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better than a question. Well, first of all, I just want to say that I'm so 
Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of that's by design, and I think we have to realize that as a black community. Mm-hmm. Yes, men and women are, you know, we are different. We're created in different natures. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Know, like, I'm a woman that came here in the gateway of a female. What does that mean? Or right. a male, and what does that mean? Then you'll find out that you're not meant to be the same people. You're right. meant to complement. That's right? good. Absolutely. And first of all, the other part is that this generation that we're in right now, our generation, our young people, y'all, y'all the best generation we ever had. I agree had. with you, you right there. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to add that to the end you of it? You got to say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. I thought this was a compliment. Though. <laughs> he was like, end this. This turned Sorry. horribly wrong. <laughs> get corrected from a standpoint of us doing these kind of events because because absolutely that's the family were designed to be separated but in our generation a lot of people don't look at it that way like they enjoy the government assistance it was designed to keep us separate and a lot of people don't look at it that way so they're running to the government for these things even though you know it was put in place to have us this way so we're fighting two wars the ones who want togetherness and unity we're fighting against our people and the people that are against us so from our generation, it's tough. That's the 
Absolutely. That's how you the best generation. When you're capable of carrying two buckets, you can carry two buckets. If you only got one arm, you know, you can't carry two buckets. But y'all are the best generation. To me, that's not how you look or how you sound. To me, that's what's coming out of your head. So Agreed. I recognize that I'm supposed to be a little bit better off because of you. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as that is concerned. So you can be fighting. You're fighting more than two wars. And true, you're fighting question then we got one last discussion for the panel something that will kind of apply to everybody we'll discuss that go ahead
Yeah. It sounds like it's so for y'all. So, depression <laughs> is a chemical imbalance. So, your equilibrium is off. Everything that you're doing is off. You're you're not centered. So, medication helps that, but you're diagnosed. You have all these symptoms, and you're diagnosed with this one thing. There's a thousand different medications for depression. Just like there's a thousand different medications for blood pressure. There's a thousand different medications for heart failure. So, um, I think that medication helps. I don't think that it's for long term. I don't think that you should be on medication long term. While you're on that medication, that gives you <laughs> that gives you the opportunity to finally be aware of you. Once that imbalance is balanced, now you can kind. You're not so fogged. You can kind of think more. You can make some goals. You can, you know. Get that mental awareness, basically, when you're not so fogged. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask every time, like, if I'm a counselor, like, oh, did you take your medicine today? You know, I don't want to have to say that every time. Like, I'm going to tell you. Well, I'm a, um, so I, I counsel. And so um, I, it's a two-sided thing. So I have people that come and see me that they're great. They are so there like in tune with themselves they can pull themselves out of that rut and they can say you know what I don't have to take my medication for six months mm -hmm. but if I feel like maybe I'm getting into that dark place okay I know that I need it but then on the other side of that there are people who are just not there mentally and that's okay mm -hmm. that's okay because there could be somebody in this room like well dang I take medicine every day and then y'all like be mentally strong right. bring yourself <laughs> out of that mentally I can't because right. you know, some people really can't do that um, I have a sister. She battles depression. She cannot. She can't do it. Like, and and I'm a therapist. I can sit and talk to her until I'm blue in the face. But she just can't do it because there's a point where I'm going to have to go home. And there's a point where it's going to be her and her mind together. Yeah. And I'm going to be at home. And she might not be able to get to that phone and right. say, sis. I, I need I you to talk. talk. She right. she can't. She might not be able to get there, so she has to take her medication every day. And one day I said, "What happens to you when you don't take your medicine?" She said, "If, if I feel like I'm battling the world, and I feel like I just want to take the whole bottle and just check out, because when people are battling severe depression and things like that." What their mind is telling them is, I just want to take the pain away just for right now. Yeah. Just for right now. I, I, I'm not even worried about tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. I just want to take, and I don't want to die. I just want to take it away right yeah. now. And it's like, oh, well, T, death is final. They're adults, so they would know death is final. But that's not, their, yeah. their mental capacity not is not that. there. Yeah. They're not worried about, oh, I know death is final. they just like, I want it, the pain to stop now. So, and I also think, sorry. Go ahead, baby. Uh, like with trauma, because trauma messes with your mental as well. In school, I learned that if I went through something at 13 and it was traumatic, my mind is at 13. My right. mind shuts down. Mm -hmm. I can't grow past 13 because my my mind is in your shock. It doesn't, yeah, it's growth in that area. It, because I don't know, I didn't get that help. I don't know what to do. Yes. My son was diagnosed. Medication. He knows how to do it, but there's also I also ask him, 
And it's okay mm-hmm. to ask yeah. them okay. just like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't feel that you are out of order because there may be there may come a point where they were doing too many things and they really forgot like about it. Right, forgot. and they have forgotten to take it. So you asking them then reminds them, yeah. oh yeah, let mm-hmm. me versus don't 